This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast episode 87 for this Friday, the 27th of May. Brought to you by our friends at Clonmel Credit Union where the big loan sale is now on. Rates of 4.99%. You can apply today on www.clonmelcu.com or by calling this number 1800 945 987. It's for a limited time only. Don't miss out. So, how was your week? Hope it went well. I think the weather's supposed to be nice over the next couple of days. Have you noticed a building worth at the old Chadwick's building got underway this week? Isn't that where the new Lidl store is supposed to be going? Lovely to see those colourful umbrellas returning to Mitra Street this week and also loving the painting that was done around Shambles Lane in town by the council. Very nice indeed. Also, in case you're wondering what those rubber tubey thingies are on the roads around Clormel and surrounding areas, their traffic survey's been undertaken right now. I think they're there until early next week. Also this week, we found more jobs are to be created in town after Kevin O'Leary became the new Renault and Dacia dealership in South Tip. Is it Dacia or Dacia? Hmm, never can get that right. United Cricket Clon Mel had a busy weekend with Team 1 beating Limerick and Kerry and Team 2 beating Lismore. Great results there. And well done to the Little Blue Heroes who received the mayoral reception this week at the Town Hall. So, what is coming up this week on the Clonmel Podcast? I hear you ask. Well, I chat to Jamie O'Flaherty from the Premier Newspaper, which is out now. A sensory screening comes to IMC Clonmel. A kids' summer camp from the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History. Plus, we've got some crime news, bingo, and lots more great stuff coming up this week. The Clonmel Podcast. Now, during the week, I made my way to Clonmel Credit Union and met up with Phil Guida, who was handing over his fundraising cheque to Kunser. I'm here outside the Credit Union. I'm joined by Mary O'Gorman, service manager from Concert, and Susan Joy, childcare and family support worker in Concert, And also Phil Guida. The cheque has just been presented to Concert. Mary, €4,200 going to Concert. That's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing achievement. Well done to Phil. We're absolutely delighted um, with all of the work that Phil has put in, raising funds and more so raising the awareness for Concert. But yeah, incredible. You should be so proud of his achievement. We're delighted. Um, well done, Phil. Great achievement, Susan. Oh, just exactly what Mary said, and the money is just going to go such such good use. We have a new therapy room coming up as well, so thank you so much, Phil. We really appreciate it. And Phil, we've got to ask a question. Have you been back on the bike or walking since you've done the 1,000-kilometre walk cycle for Concert? Yep, I've been walking every day. Not the bike, because the bike is in the Menders at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of a rough ride. Um, yeah, no, I, I've, every day I still do, because obviously I want to maintain this, this old physique. Sorry, I'm only joking. Yeah, no, going back to what they were saying, um, it was just a pleasure doing what I did, you know, um, and I hope to continue raising funds, you know, as as time goes on for for the service. And it's a very worthwhile service. And to highlight, you know, the the plight of of, of people and women and the children that they're going through. I mean, €4,200, fantastic amount of money, and also the people who, who donated during oh, your course. Absolutely. I'd like to thank every single person, from the one that gave 50 cents yeah. to whatever money, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's just been a, a, an eye-opener. You know? People have been so encouraging um, through Facebook, through the walks, through just about everything, you know. And obviously with yourself and Jamie, the paper, you know. 
So we look forward to, to more fundraising in the future. In the meantime, Mary, Susan, thank you very much as well. Thank Thanks you so much. And thank you, Phil. Oh, I'm just a, a man that likes walking, that's all. And just to say, I suppose, just to echo what Phil was saying, like it's challenging times we're all living in with the rising cost of everything and just a huge thanks to the community, to everybody who's donated in whatever way. And I know we'll continue to donate to Coonsera. So thanks very much. And thanks, Mark. I'm sure that we will. Thank you. Well done again to Phil. Now, the next LGBT tea and chat will take place tomorrow, Saturday, the 28th of May at 11.30am to 12.30pm. It's on at Quigley's in O'Connell Street. Under 18s must be accompanied by an adult. Here's something the kids will love, and it's on at the Tipperary Museum of Hidden History, Music Archaeology Camp. It runs from the 5th to the 8th of July from 10am to 3pm. The price is €50. Euros. And for booking, you can email museum at tipperarycoco.ie. Also, the museum are looking for your feedback. If you can please take their online survey and share your views on your experience at the museum, get more details on this on their Facebook page. Excuse me, I've been eating some peanuts before coming on air with the podcast. I do apologise. I'm stuck between my teeth right now. Mmm. Legally Blonde, the musical from the Bellevue Academy is coming to the White Memorial Theatre this weekend, the 28th and 29th of May. Tickets are €15. More info on their social media pages. Now, in crime news, more items have been stolen from unlocked cars around the Silver Springs area of the town. This has been happening over the last number of weeks. Any information, please, to the Clonmel Guardi on 05261 77640. And for goodness sake, lock your cars. What's up with you? I just don't get that. Maybe that's me. Staying with cars, well, trailers, actually. Gardy and Clonmel have recovered a trailer that was stolen 11 years ago after it was put up for sale online. The original owner recognised his trailer and contacted the Clonmel Gardy. There's something, eh? An accelerant was thrown at an occupied house in the early hours of Wednesday morning. This happened near the Feathered Road roundabout at around 5.20am. The occupants in the house escaped uninjured. The same house was subject to another firebomb attack back in 2019. Any information, please, to the Clonmel Gardaí on this number, 05261 77640. You can also call the Garda confidential line on 1800 666 The Killalone Cemetery Committee are having their annual tidy up at the graveyard on Saturday, the 4th of June, from 10am to 12 noon. All are welcome to go along and give a hand. Feather Town Park Soccer League are having a new league running over June, July and August. Minimum 10 teams in two groups of five. Squads of 20 players permitted. Ladies and gents, minimum eight games guaranteed with one team crowned champions at the end. More details on the Feather Town Park Facebook page. A sensory screening of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 will take place this Sunday at IMC Clonmel at 12.30pm. You can book your tickets through imccinemas.ie, select Clonmel, what's on 29th of May, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and click on the 12.30 time. A fundraiser for Ashley will take place at Lonergan's Bar in the Beer Garden on Sunday, 5th of June. Lots going on on the day, and please support this if you can. Also, Dara and Ada's Table Quiz will take place in Nagel's Bar, Kilsheelan, on the 3rd of June at 8.30pm. Table of four, 20 euros. There'll be raffle prizes and finger food as well. Best of luck to Thomas Ryan from its Clonmel and More Facebook page with his new Clonmel Gets Talking newsletter. Great stuff on there. Well worth a read. 
Mike Denver comes to Clonacody House on Saturday, July the 2nd, with special guest Ashton Rafferty. Tickets are €25 Euros from tickets.ie. There'll be a full bar, food, gates open at 8pm. A Sonic Fitness Gymnastic Kids Summer Camp comes to Fairy House on the 8th, 9th and 10th of August and to Newcastle on the 15th to the 18th of August. Get more details on the Sonic Fitness Facebook page. At the Showground Shopping Centre, the Edinburgh Woolen Mills have now launched their spring-summer catalogue. I know today they're offering 20% off or clothing. M&S have launched their brand-new cafe menu. Well worth checking out. Lots of delicious goodies on there for you to sample. And Iceland, that's the supermarket, not the country. Love that old joke. Never get sick and tired of it. Are offering a 10% discount for over 60s every Tuesday at the Showground Shopping Centre. The South Tipperary Hospice Movement are having their midsummer lunch garden party on the 23rd of June at Hotel Manila. It starts at 1pm. Price is €70. Contact Maud on this number for more details. 086-243-7857. Tickets go on sale on Tuesday, the 31st of May and Wednesday, the 1st of June from 8am to 10.30am for the Wizard of Oz and Dreams from the Alison Cronin Dance Academy. This is on at the Strand Theatre, Carrick-on-Shaw, at 7.30pm on June 17th and 18th. Get more details on their social media pages. Also at the Alison Cronin Dance Academy, look out for Sundance 2022 for kids aged 5 to 13 years where they can learn new dance styles. It's on from the 18th to the 22nd of July. Price is €65. All are welcome and you can book now by calling Jess on this number, 086-109-5062. The Feathered Festival is coming to the Town Park on Sunday the 12th of June from 2 to 5pm. Set to be an amazing day, so much going on, including live music, a busking competition, funfair, games, stalls, mmm, barbecue, and lots more. There's free entry and get more details on www.featheredtownpark.ie. How about some bingo? It continues every Monday at Hillview Sports Club. This Monday, the 30th of May, jackpots €1,000 with prize money standing at two grand. All starts at 8pm and don't forget there's tea and coffee served at half time. What better way to spend a Monday evening? The Clummel Podcast Job Spot. Now jobs this week. Annie's Hair Salon in Queen Street are looking for a trainee improver to work in the salon. Three days a week with a view to work full-time. You can contact Annie on this number, 085-757-8777. That's 085-757-8777. BC Fitness are looking for a part-time personal trainer. If interested, forward your CV to bcfitnessisland at gmail.com. A receptionist is wanted at the Talbot Hotel Poppyfields. More details at ie.indeed.com. Likewise for this job, Oak Park Foods are looking for a dry goods and packing coordinator. Euro Car Parts in town are looking for a parts sales advisor, 25 to 28 grand a year. Get all the details at ie.indeed.com. And an assembly operator is wanted at Abbott. Once again, go to ie.indeed.com. If you'd like to advertise a job on the Clomber Podcast, email theclomberpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, time for this week's interview. And on a rainy afternoon, I made my way to the Clomel Town grounds, got into a dugout and had a chat with Jamie O'Flaherty from the Premier Newspaper. 
The Clonmel Podcast. Jamie O'Flaherty from the Premier Newspaper. Welcome to the Clonmel Podcast. Thanks very much, Mark. We're here at Clonmel Town. We are. Place I love in a dugout because it's raining. <laughs> That's it, we had great plans for being outside. I know, but, uh, on the pitch. Yeah, so we're stuck in the dugout here. But uh, yeah, it's still lovely to sit here and look out at the pitch and stuff. And um, I've been talking to you beforehand about the plans we have for the place. Yeah, what's coming up? Some great plans. Mm. Yeah, so as you probably know, the running club, the Clomid Athletic Club, are moving over to the bypass. A fantastic facility. They took some um, shots with a drone recently. Looking down, you can actually you can see the track and the layout wow. and everything. It looks fantastic now. So, um, yeah, they were co-leaseholders with us here. Um, and so we've been able to buy them back out of their lease now. And we have great plans to develop the facility here. Um, we'll have two full-size pitches and a, and a training facility here, uh, which is something that we've always wanted to have. Um, and it's great now that it can actually, you know, come true for us. We're looking forward to it. It's it's a, it's a big development. Probably won't start maybe for another twelve months or so. Uh, we're not we're not certain yet when the athletic club will be in a position to move out. But as soon as they do, we'll be uh, we'll be ready to start. So here in the dugout, looking out onto that pitch, memories of you being on there coming back right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've enjoyed many years. Probably as a young there. lad. Yeah, that's it. We, we, funny enough. It was it was used by the general public for, for for a long period because this was owned by Clonmel Corporation this facility and there was a time when there was three pitches in here, but going back to the 1980s um, I would have signed for Clonmel Town as a schoolboy, um, and then Chris O'Regan who basically managed the whole schoolboy setup for us here, he wanted to have a go at managing at senior level so he um, he won the Munster Junior Cup in 1986 for Clonmel Town and then went to St Martin's in 1987 and managed them. But um, unfortunately, the schoolboys folded when Chris left. So I went uh, to the old bridge, played my schoolboys with the old bridge, and actually played lots of matches here because at the time it wasn't owned by Clamwell Town. Um, so yeah, some fantastic memories of playing here. We actually won the Kilkenny League, believe it or not. We were playing with the old bridge, we played in the Kilkenny League and, and, and won the, the league on this pitch uh, with some great players, Ali Cal, Eddie Farrell, uh, Darren Joyce, uh, some really good players. Um, so yeah, fantastic memories. And then as a as a junior player, I made my debut. I think in '93, maybe. Um, Do you remember that and, well, uh, Jamie? Yeah, didn't actually happen on this pitch, but happened down in the showgrounds against Evergreen. Oh right, yeah. Um, but yeah, won won lots of big games here, and really enjoyed playing here with some. It was a fantastic team. That team in '93, '94, '95, really, really good team. Won an FEI Junior Cup, which is the the, the, the top trophy you can win in junior football. So some great memories, yeah. How is Clonmel Town funded? Um, well, we've some money that comes in from renting out our premises here, mm. the all-weather facility that's open to the general public uh, to rent uh, six nights a week. Um, we have our indoor facility with an indoor hall that's used by the Clonmel Archery Club, and of course you can play indoor football in there, and it can be used for any activity really. We have birthday parties and, and different things that, that go on in there. Uh, but really it's the general public, it's their support through fundraising initiatives, be it our joke of poker that, that uh, takes place every week in the local bar, our sponsors. And uh, whether it's flag days or match, uh, you know, on match days when people come in and pay coming in the gate and buy tickets for whatever we might be selling. But um, it's really the community that supports us really well. And it's good support for the town. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, people are fantastic. I mean, look at attendances at matches has dropped significantly you know if you go back maybe 20 years or so you probably have people lining the full length of the pitch uh, that's dropped off for the bigger games they come back I think 
nowadays you have so much available on TV you have the Premier League on so many different channels you can watch literally every game that's being played now so people tend to stay at home and watch their favourite team but I think when it gets to the latter stages of the competitions you saw um, on Sunday over in Celtic Park when Clumwell Celtic played the Wilderness a local derby to see who'd win the first division huge support and huge mm, crowd mm. at that one uh, so yeah people come out for the big occasions and you're on the committee how long have you been on the committee Jamie? On the committee, on and off, I mean, I, I would have I probably came on initially in the early 2000s, I would think. Mm. And then I went back managing again at school by level um, and came back on a probably full time now since around 2013 or 14, maybe. I finished managing in 2014 and was chairman after that. So, yeah, probably seven or eight years full time now. Let's talk about the Premier newspaper. Yes. Wow. Congratulations on this. It's a big success, isn't it? Absolutely and I think what, what yeah. people missed as well, because before you brought it out, I think there was a, a, a lag of a, a couple of years, yes. was there, of the small paper? There was. That yeah. Everyone called it. Yes. You know, or the free, yes. the free yes. paper. Yes. Yes. yes, And all of a sudden, bang, the premier newspaper. Yeah, and would you believe, I mean, myself and Niall, my business partner, we can't believe how successful it actually has been and how generous the public have been with their praise for it. Um, wherever we go people are complimentary you know and look at this there's a lot more we'd like to do with it and we have great plans for it um, but that will happen in time you know but, but look, I mean listen we can't keep it in the shops I mean people I've retailers ringing me every week looking for more and more copies of it which is a great sign um, and yeah it's, it's, it's proven to be very popular and as you said there was a market there for it there mm. wasn't a free paper in, in Tipperary no for a couple of years and um, yeah it's, 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 it's great we're delighted that it's been such a success What made you go ahead and produce the paper? Well for me I was actually out of work I had been working with Tip FM as sports editor mm. and was laid off and um, I was approached by Niall and he had some ideas for a free paper a free sheet it was initially only to be like a two page or four page little thing in coffee shops where people could pick up and of course, then I, the longer it went on and I got more ambitious with it and wanted it to be <laughs> a little bit bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and all of a sudden it's a 40-page newspaper. And we'd have plans to extend it again, but of course we rely solely on advertising. Uh, that's, that's, that's our only means of, of making money with it. So um, if more people advertise with us, we'll, have, we'll add more pages to it. But as it currently stands, advertising pays comfortably for 40 pages, and uh, so we're happy with that supplement for now. Do you have many people working with you on the paper? No, so we have um, on and off. I mean, we have we don't have anybody really full time with mm. us, but we have people that come in and help with the sales side of it. Uh, we have delivery guys, and we have. Um, I mean, myself, I edit the newspaper, I, I assemble it and put it all together, and design it and uh, and distribute it. Um, and it's actually great because you get to see every single aspect of it and how everything works. And it's nice to pop in and when you're delivering and you and you meet the retailers. And you get that feedback and, and you can tell that maybe somebody that you were giving 20 newspapers to, they actually only need eight and, and it has to be eight and somewhere else is 12 and somebody else is 65 and Duns Oakville, for example, with 150 newspapers there. Wow. But it's nice to, um, it's nice to know exactly what people want and what your retailers want because there's nothing worse than giving somebody 100 newspapers and and they're dumping 80 of them on you because nobody picks them up they can be used somewhere else you know so it's great and it's it's nice to get feedback from uh, retailers and from the general public and when you're bumping into them all the time and meeting them you, you get that feedback and I think that's really important so it's out every fortnight isn't it every two weeks every fortnight every second Friday yes we've just had one on the 13th Friday the 13th uh, so yeah Friday week will be out again 
I, I gather that week leading up to it is just a crazy week, is it? I was afraid I, to I, ring you that yeah, week. Yeah, I don't get to leave the office at all. And there's some nights where I, I, I literally I might get a couple of hours sleep. Yeah. It's that it's that busy, and that's the nature of the business because you want the news to be fresh and up to date. A lot happens over the weekends, and so you get all the community notes sent into you on a Monday, and you have your match reports that come into you on a Monday morning, and and your photographs come through, and you're editing and you're trying to make things fit, and you, you have a little slot that you can't fit, and you're trying to find something to fit in there. But it's all part of it. It's, but it's when it's something that you love and it's something that's your own, mm-hmm. um, and when it's so popular and, and, and the community are really behind you, and there's really that feeling behind it. You know, our slogan is a community partner for a prosperous Tipperary, and I think people have really bought into that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's great. But unfortunately, then it means that you're trying to fill 30 pages or so from Tuesday to when we go to print on Thursday mornings. So it's a little bit hectic, but uh, but exciting and. Nonetheless, you know, it's great to be able to do it. I think having the, as, as we used to know it as the small paper or the free paper, it's quite nostalgic now, and we're loving that as well. But it's also available on digital media, isn't it? It is, it is, and that's free too. Mm. So, um, yeah, our digital edition comes out every Friday. Um, and remarkably, it's, it's, in, it's incredibly difficult to gauge this because a lot of our um, advertisers would, would contact me, and the first question they'd ask is, how many hits do you get online, and how many people will see this ad? And, you tell them, you know, it varies so much, but I mean, this week, since Friday, we've had 18,000 hits on it already, so we're probably on target to, to reach around the 35,000 mark by the time the next newspaper comes out, which is incredible, really, when you, when you look at it. And, and what's great about technology now is you can see that three people in Barcelona might have. Yeah, I know, is that with the know? podcast? Yeah, you you know? can tell where people yeah, are listening yeah, around the can, world, yeah. yeah. 17 people in New York, <laughs> you think, God, it's fantastic, you know. And it's lovely to be able to see that, but, but what's important too is that our target audience, which would be the people of Tipperary, that's where it's viewed most consistently. And I would say on a week where 25,000 people would view the paper, um, at least 23,000 people would view it from, from Tipperary. And that's, that's essential for us. Yeah. That's great because you can then you know, pass that information on to people who would like to advertise with us. And they know then that it's actually reaching the audience that they want their advert to reach. Um, so that's, 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 that's great. Well, we love the Premier newspaper every two weeks and we wish you every success with it. Let's talk about yourself. What part of the town are you from, Jamie? Because I know Paddy O'Donoghue, do you have a week, dropped your name. He did, yeah, great times in the wilderness. <laughs> I was actually originally born over in the Old Bridge. Right. And had some really great years there growing up over the Old Bridge. Fantastic place to grow up. Similar to the wilderness in that back then everybody was out playing that was you know you, you had so many different people it's funny um, at the back of the emigrants rest hmm. there's a grass area there that we call the paddock and that's where a lot of the games took place or else down the strand but um, when I look at it now and I think god almighty how did so many of us actually fit there and play there you know <laughs> and uh, what sort of games are you playing just all football really it was, yeah. yeah but then there'd be discos taking place there and <laughs> And it was, um, it was great for community events. There was an Old Bridge Field Day every year. So you would have all sorts of different games and activities taking place over there. It must have been great. An Old oh, really Field Day. Place. Yeah, really good place. That's to something grow. I could do with bringing back now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the community, I mean, the people at that stage, uh, that was probably in the early 80s maybe, um, but really cared about the community and really wanted to, to, to put things in place that younger people would enjoy. Uh, fantastic community over there really was and um, you know often when we played in the paddock there and you'd have Mrs Scully Tony Scully's mother who lived in the house right behind where the goal would be and how that woman put up with the ball 
hitting off her house constantly. They never came out, never complained, and, and always would love to see children now playing. You know, it's, it was a different time, really. But and the local shops were there too. Was Claire Meany there? Claire Meany was there. Yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul Ryan then was over where the current shop is at the minute. Um, but again, Claire, the ball often within the her straight through the front door over the counter. You know, just, uh, God, as I said, how these people put up with us at all. But what's 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 funny actually when you think back to those times is. I probably would have been maybe 10, so I would have been one of the youngest myself, Paul Scully, Michael Seamus O'Mahony, John Turner, we said Patrick McLean. But then you would have guys two and three years older, and then more five and six years older. And you get you'd have actually adults who would have been 10, 15 years older than you. And everybody played, and a fellow would arrive on with Gary Fitzgerald, who lived up from me, used to like the high Doc Martin boots oh do you remember those yeah, yeah. So he'd come down playing wearing those and <laughs> Chazzy Skane would have George Webb's on you know the, the shoes on. and uh, and if you were able to avoid all of those fellas sliding in and challenging you you knew you were a bit of a player then if you, if you could achieve that but fantastic times and, and always always welcoming and, and similarly then when I, when I went to the wilderness nobody was refused a game it didn't yeah. matter how how bad you might be or talentless or how fantastic you could be everybody played everybody took part and everybody was welcome and yeah great times to grow up so how old were you when you moved from the old bridge to the wilderness? Uh, probably about 10 I, I think mm. uh, not 100% yeah, I'd say around 10 but at that time I was very close to my aunt who was living over in the old bridge so I would have spent maybe 3 or 4 nights a week still with the old bridge because I, I loved it there um, but yeah probably 10 or 12 when I, when I went to the wilderness and uh as you mentioned, Paddy then, they would have moved in. Goldsbury's were our immediate neighbours when we moved in, and then they, they moved um, literally over the wall into Willow Park. And then Paddy's family moved in from, they were in Brankany Drive, I think, and came to the wilderness. So, yeah, great neighbours to have. And all those games that Paddy mentioned up in the world, I gather you were taking part in those two, were you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was, it was, um, but it was just great. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny probably two people had a football back then so you mm. had to stay on side with them you had to be friendly with them or you had no game you know mm. <laughs> so that guy was guaranteed a game the fellow that owned the football but but whatever was on on the television um, at the time if, if it was you know even the show jumping you had build fences down there and you'd, oh you were influenced you know, by what was on yeah <laughs> that was it it was whatever was on the television <laughs> was what we played so when the GA championship was on it was hurling at football if, as I said if it was show jumping you or were building fences when the Olympics were on you were you were running around the whole estate you had long distance running <laughs> you had sprints and whatever else so yeah it was just um, and you know I, I, I like you know I hate comparing times and saying our times were better because mm. I'm not certain to wear, but uh, for me, I, happy times. Yeah, I wouldn't have changed anything yet. I think really, we're all really in happy the, times. Yeah, the agreement with you there that it's it's those happy times. I think I said to someone too, you didn't have a care in the world back then. You no, weren't paying no. a mortgage. You weren't, no. you know, paying bills, trying to put food on the table, getting kids off to school. You were oblivious to all. You were, and and you know, even for your for my own parents, I mean, mm. never asked where I was. <laughs> from morning to, I mean I was gone I could be gone at nine in the morning yeah uh, you could be gone off at the time um, the wilderness was the only estate there initially so they were building Willow Park and they were building Carrigeen Estate Oakland Drive wasn't even there and uh, so there was always building materials available if you wanted to build a camp or whatever you know so you went off fairly and you, you got whatever you needed and the older lads then they kind of took on the responsibility of, of building the camps and stuff Paddy mentioned David Moore, who was 
who was instrumental in all of that type of thing. And um, yeah, but fantastic times. To, to, you, you were occupied for the entire day and you only came back for something to eat. That, that was basically it. And, and when a game started in the evening time, you prayed you weren't called in for your tea because you knew there was somebody on the sideline waiting to take a place. You mightn't get back on when you, when you come out again. But yeah, fantastic times. And did you hang about in the Wilby as well? Yeah, so basically where I lived was um, right beside the steps, Paddy mentioned them. And that was where everybody congregated and hung out. So my parents had to put up with loud music and noise and all sorts of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, but very rarely, um, you know, had to come out and give out. And in fairness to all the lads, and I would have been part of them, if anybody came out and said, listen, lads, it's a bit noisy here, whatever, we have children in bed, they'd move off and there'd be no questions asked. Right. And would be like, F off and run no, away. No, no, everybody was actually nice. The, the problem was they'd come back again the next night. But at least for that night, you'd, you'd yeah. move off. Yeah. And whereabouts did you go to school in town? So, yes, yeah, St. Mary's started in St. Started yeah. the Presentation Convent initially and then went to St. Mary's and from there to the high school and finished up I went to the to the tech then uh, did a pre-employment course there and uh, yeah that was it I went I actually left school uh, without a leave insert and then went back as a as an adult and did that and I, I did my degrees in journalism and media law so um, yeah but at the time when I was in school it was funny I, I didn't like school mm. when I was young um, but found going back as a mature student how old would you uh, be when you went back to I was in my 30s yeah. Yeah. yeah how'd you find but it I loved it then because yeah. it's nice to be able to put up your hand and say to a lecturer listen that just went completely over my head there no idea what you were talking about and you, you feel far more comfortable as an adult saying that yeah. I mean as a child you'd literally keep your head down and hope to God you weren't asked yeah. a question because you, you wouldn't have had the answer to it and you were scared it was back then you, you know it was it was tough in school and mm. it was the time of the I think the 80s were though weren't they yeah well it was the yeah. time of the nuns and the Christian brothers were still yeah, there and yeah. um, and they ruled by force and, 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 and with a firm hand and uh, I remember I actually I spoke to a teacher of mine who was particularly cross and I said to him God I said did you really have to be that vicious and you know and he said to me you have to understand Jamie that when I was educated he said back in the 50s we were told, listen, you have to keep on top of these fellas. Don't give them an inch. You have to be strict and strong and in control. So he said, that's how I was taught. But I still thought it was severe. You know, It actually put people off going to school. Yeah, well, it doesn't mean that because he was taught that. He's got to implement yeah, it. That's, that was his excuse. In, in the though, 80s, yeah. you yeah, know. Yeah. I know, I know. And you mentioned you got your uh, journalism degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Started out with um, the Irish, College, or the Irish um, Academy Association of Ireland. Mm. Uh, studied in Waterford and um, did a, did a, just did a course a friend of mine Mirish Walsh recommended a journalism course to me um, and Mirish is chairman of the Annaville Awards and um, started with that and then really liked it and didn't think I'd ever go back to books and then of course you get the bug and I did a diploma from there and went on and absolutely loved it and, and um, actually studying media law which was my favourite part of it um, it's very beneficial to me now when you're editor of a newspaper yeah. that you know what you can know what you can and can't print. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. So if I slip up, I've no one to blame. Anyway, but yourself. Yeah. And what was the first gig then? So uh, yeah, went so went to the Avenue newspaper. I would have I would have um, written for the Nationalist for several years as a freelance reporter. They were very kind to me and gave me a space 
um, really to learn my trade, I suppose. And then went full-time with the Avenue newspaper in Mitchellstown. Fantastic place to work. Um, run, it's owned by the Howard family. Uh, Liam Howard, he's retired only the last couple of years, and his two sons, Kevin and Declan, have now taken over the business. But a really good place to learn and uh, so helpful and always there to give you advice and, and uh, very understanding people. So, yeah, as I said, fantastic place. So I covered, I would have covered a lot of North Cork. Uh, they actually cover four counties. So for me, I would have covered parts of Limerick, Galbally, Skihinarinki, all that side oh. of it, uh, Bourncourt, and then um, into Ballylanders and Limerick. And then down as far as Mallow and Cork and Mitchestown. And so, yeah, huge, huge area. Uh, I mean, they sell probably close to 10,000 copies a week still, which is wow. a huge amount of newspapers mm. for, mm. for a, a, a small sized business, really. But um, a great place to work was there. And then I was approached, I was working as uh, I was a soccer correspondent for Tip FM at the time. Um, and they approached me and asked me, would I be interested in going over there as their, their sports editor? And I wasn't because I was happy with the Avenue and they came back a second time and a third time. Isn't it great uh, when you have that? You, you don't really want to go. Someone yes. approaches you and you go, well, I don't really care. Yes. You, yeah, you have yeah, that, yeah. You know, and you I'm happy where I am, yeah, actually. And for me, I mean... Nice I was, to get the offer. Yeah, and I was able to say to him, listen, I'm a little bit alarmed by the high turnover of staff you have. Yeah. And you can you can mention all of that because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you can yeah. be honest and truthful. But uh, but anyway, they, they offered, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse in the end and went there. And uh, it was a difficult time for me, actually. COVID hit. I was only there two months when COVID hit, so there was no sport on. And so my hours changed and my role changed, really. I was now, luckily enough, I was still trained in news journalism, so I was able to make the switch pretty easy. But it wasn't what I wanted to be doing, and, mm. um, and it was a difficult period. But in the end, I, I, was, I was laid off probably only about six months into it. Uh, under sad circumstances, really. I didn't leave there under good terms mm. And, mm. And, and that. But... Um, but yeah, as it turns out, it was a blessing because uh, the opportunity with the Premier newspaper came up pretty quickly afterwards. And so I was able to uh, get right, really stuck into that, which was great. So you prefer print more so than radio? I would, yeah. I would, yeah, yeah. Radio for me, I, I'd be people, I'd be shy really by nature. I don't like public speaking and I don't like being the centre of attention. I often say, you know, I like being, in a, being, in, being out with people and being on the periphery and listening to somebody else telling the stories and laughing and joining mm-hmm. in that way. I never really liked to be the one telling the story type mm. of thing. So you did a good job today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it didn't come naturally to me. And it's something yeah. I've had to work on. And, and I actually got involved with radio really to, to take me out of my comfort zone a little bit because I knew I wasn't comfortable with it. And I like to challenge myself that way. And if I feel that something gets the better of me, I, 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 I tend to try and do something about it and, and try to better it and, and um, I felt it did I mean I, I wouldn't claim to be fantastic on air or anything else but I was able to cope with it and I, I enjoyed large spells of it um, but you know I, I prefer, prefer print It's funny because I when you, you, you said you had your, your first gig that time after coming out of college and getting your degree I had this image of you running up chasing people with a, a, a notepad and a pencil in one hand trying to get a story about something or other yeah and, and, yeah, and, and you know what it, it's funny because at the start when you come out you're thinking oh, what am I going to write about <laughs> but I mean but there's news everywhere yeah. and I always say this to people now and I've, I've I've been invited to into schools to speak to students who are showing an interest in journalism 
And I always say to them, you know, there's, there's news absolutely everywhere. You could walk mm. out your front door and you can see weeds growing in the footpath. Mm. So, you know, you can contact the council or they're coming up or they're going to spray the area. What's one of the plans? Different type of things. You can consult a few neighbours and ask them and they'll come out and say, oh, it's disgraceful. <laughs> yeah. They're like that now with months. You know, so you get a story from absolutely anything. And we're lucky actually in, in Clonmel in particular because there are so many good people and so many volunteers and there's mm. so many great things happening here. Mm. And I mean, the plans for the town for, for 2030 with the with the, um, uh, the Shore Island over and different plans with the Army Barracks and you have the Bulmers visiting site that's, 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 right. that's, that's going to start. It's a very exciting time, I think, to live in Clonmel, and I think over the next 10 years or so, we'll have a, a, a town that we're, we're really proud of, because at the moment, you could walk down the town on a Saturday night, and it's like a ghost town. There's, yeah, there's, there's and it's a shame to see, isn't it? It is. And it you look is. over there at Market Place. Yes, yes. The old Super Queen building, which yeah. has been vacant for how long now? It has been, It's yeah. been so long yeah, now, I've yeah, forgotten. Yeah, yeah, And you keep hearing there's something being done about it, but... No, and... and, and Maybe you might know. I don't, I don't know, but um, but you know, it, it, it's it's. I don't think there are any plans actually right now for it. But I think, in general terms, I think when people, I think they're predicting an extra five thousand people per day to the town when the, you know, the, the army barracks is, mm. is is finished, and when the Bulmer site goes in and Shore Island is developed, and I mean that's that's fantastic, positive for the town if if if, if that's true, you know, and that happens because we need something to happen here. Like you, you look at Kilkenny City. I mean, it's it's absolutely jam-packed with people, yeah. and it's because they have the castle and Care who who does really well yeah, because Cashel, of the, the, and Cashel, you know, yeah. and they, they have a site in town. I think what happened with Clonmel was building the the industrial sites in the outskirts. It really took a lot of a lot of the traffic away from the centre of town, and unfortunately, we didn't have a central attraction then for tourists to visit. Um, which was disappointing. But hopefully, as I said, with these plans in the next ten years, I think we'll see. Uh, a transformed Clonmel. We're very lucky, I mean, what's around us. I mean, we have the Blue Way. You know, maybe more could be done with that to get people in as well. Plus we have, you know, the Cumbra Mountains. We have some gorgeous areas around. No, we really do. I mean, as I said, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic town, but I think the town centre, and whether it's, 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 it's the rates on buildings and, and the prices of rent, and if, I mean, commercial property Dubai is probably at an all-time mm, low mm, at the moment. I was looking mm. at two properties recently in O'Connell Street, one sold for two hundred thousand. You know, you have, you have the Tyler's building, a three-story building for sale yeah. at the moment. I think that that can be bought for just over two hundred thousand. So, commercial property can be bought cheap, but then it's it's what happens after that. It's it's the rates and it's and it's if you want to convert it into into family living up up ahead, it just costs so much money to do that. And uh, health and safety standards are gone through the roof. So, yeah. it puts people off being a landlord and, and renting out that space. But I think that's what Clonmel needs. I think that there needs to be some kind of a tax break or tax relief for business owners or, or, or property owners in the centre of towns all over the country whereby they can let out the, 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 the vacant buildings overhead because it's all very well having a lovely shop front, but two and three storeys overhead are empty or they're just being yeah. used to store office supplies like and stuff. You know, I mean, if, if you had people living in town, it would, it would do multiple of things. It would solve the property crisis that we're going through it would it would house so many people who are desperate for housing and it would get um, business owners or, or, or owners of buildings in the town centre an opportunity to earn some cash as well by renting out their property Now we're here at Clonmel Town but do you have a favourite part of Clonmel Jamie? Uh, it's probably here mm. probably here I love being here I mean you know we'd have 
fantastic match here on Saturday night with our long-term rival St. Michael's in the Tipperary Cup. Uh, didn't go our way, but you know, to see we have a young team at the moment. Uh, we've been managed this season by Barry Ryan and Levi Whelan, uh, two young guys themselves, first time involved in management, and uh, and they did really well. And you know, to be here on Saturday night with a big crowd, uh, St. Michael's coming down, uh, game going to penalties. And unfortunately, we came out the wrong end of it. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think if I could pick any place to be, it would be here uh, when there's a big game on. And you know, as well, you know, we have such. I think we have close to 600 schoolboy and schoolgirl members now. And to see them use the complex pitch on a Saturday, and you pop in, and the place is just alive, and uh, it, it's, it's just great fantastic. to see, isn't it? Ah, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you very much for taking me here to Clonmel Town in the rain. Thank God we're in the dugout. <laughs> Jamie O'Flaherty, thank you, and best of luck with the Premier newspaper again. Thanks very much, Mark. Appreciate it. The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Jamie, and don't forget the paper is out today. So there we have it. That is the Clonmel Podcast for this Friday, the 27th of May, episode 87, done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email the Clonmel Podcast at gmail.com. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And check out the website, www.theclonmelpodcast.com, where you'll also find every single episode of the Clonmel Podcast. Enjoy your week, enjoy the nice weather, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by Clonmel Credit Union. The big loan sale is now on. Rate of 4.99%. You can apply today at www.clonmelcu.com or by calling this number. 1800 945 987. Limited time only. Don't miss out. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast.